Hi there, and thank you for tuning in to the following message provided by Renewed Church. We pray that this message will be a blessing and encouragement for you. For more information about our church, please visit www.renew.miami. But God. Man, Psalms 124. Man, if the Lord had not been on our side, and that's maybe kind of a little bit how your week or your year has been for us. It's been a crazy year. It's been a, a, a roller coaster of a year. Renew Church is about four months old, maybe four and a half. I don't know, somewhere in there. We're still crawling along, baby, baby steps, learning all kinds of new things. But God, amen. God has gone with us every step of the way, and we're so, so super excited about what God has in store for us. And I believe what he has in store for each and every single one of you. When you put him first, when you trust him, just as those people of Israel, just as those children of Israel did when they were faithful, sometimes they were unfaithful, but you've got to be a faithful people. We've got to believe that God is faithful and we have got to be a faithful people. Let's pray together. Gracious Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning and we say thank you that you are rich in mercy. We thank you that you are strong to save us, God. We thank you that uh, no matter what's going on, God, we can just rest in you. This morning in this message, I pray that we would just begin to think about what it means to deal with our stresses, to deal with our anxieties, to be able to just say, but God, in spite of all of the things going on around us, God, you are still God and you are still in control. We love you, Lord, and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And all of God's people said, amen, amen. You may be seated this morning. Yeah, let's give the worship team and the Lord a round of applause as you find your seat. And uh, I'm going to kind of get ourselves, get my my stuff together here just for a minute. Man, as uh, Mikey shared and as the video showed, we've... We put a lot of effort into this next series. It's our summer series called Lights, Camera, Action. So that's this is this is kind of the buildup, and this is the week that we boosted and, and we tell people about it. So you're going to see a lot of it coming through on social media. We've done a couple of different videos. If you guys can help us by sharing those videos and all the different profiles and pictures and the things that we do to promote it, share it, tell people about it, invite somebody, call somebody text somebody and tell them, hey, you need to come to this series. Um, we're going to have a, a, a full stage design and, and sets and everything. Like, we've never done this before, so it's big and uh, we're excited about it. It's six weeks of um, a, a message series that pulls biblical truths out of Hollywood films. I know that sounds sacrilegious and you're kind of thinking, I don't know about this, Trevor. Just try it. Come check it out. See what it's about. And uh, man, I think you'll you'll love it. And uh, also on your way out, once you get your pop, once you get your ice cold pop, uh, grab a, a stack of these invite cards because these are the cards that have the schedule and all the information for your friends. So take a stack of 10, give them out, tell somebody in your job, in your neighborhood, tell them about what Renew Church is all about and what they're doing. Awesome. Hey, can I ask one of you ushers in the back, can you guys shut that back door? That rain for me is a little um, distracting. I don't know if it's distracting for you guys, but it is for me. So, hey, listen, and uh, man, I'm glad you guys are here. You fought the rain. You fought Father's Day. And how many of you know, fathers, you guys kind of like want that your, that's your card, right? That's, this is your day. It's like, hey, man, this is Father's Day. I'm sleeping in. You know, I'm just hanging out. You guys are here. Give yourselves a round of applause. Let's give some dads a round of applause. Good job. 
You know the odds are pretty good right now for some dads. There's a, there's 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 a really good shot for you to win that Yeti cooler. So make sure that you you uh, fill the card out on your way out. This morning we're going to be talking a little bit on this last message in the series, how to deal with stress, how to deal with stress, how to deal with worry, how to deal with anxiety. They're kind of synonyms, they're similar words, but this it's just the stuff we deal with. Anybody not deal with stress? Raise your hand if you don't deal with stress. I want to see you, and I want to let you come and preach this morning. Because I, 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 I'm preaching on it, but that doesn't mean I don't do it. You know what I'm saying? I, I'm, I'm preaching on it because I'm, I, I need to, to, to preach on it, but I also need to practice what I preach. And I need to listen to my own sermon because, for me, worry is um, a challenge. And it's, it's hard because this is faith. You know, this is trusting in God and knowing that God is in control in the circumstances, the big and little stuff in our life. But, you know, in our society, there's more questions than answers. There's more problems than solutions. Few know for sure where we're headed, but universally, everybody acknowledges, even though we don't know where we're headed, we know that we're going there at a breakneck pace. Like, we're going as fast as we can. We just don't know where that is that we're going, right? We're just flying through life. We don't even know why. 18 million Americans are on Prozac. The average administrative job has 36 hours of paperwork sitting on the desk. So if you're an administrator, uh, get excited about tomorrow. You know, it's, it's sitting there, stuff that you've got to do, and it just continues to pile up. It takes three hours a week, they say, just to sort out the piles. I mean, just to kind of get to a point of being able to understand what you need to tackle, what you need to take on. Our lives are spent, this is, this is uh, according to some information that I found, our lives are spent, eight months of our lives are spent just opening junk mail. Eight, eight months of our lives, uh, two years calling people that are not in, that aren't answering, going to voicemail, and one year of our life is spent looking for stuff we misplaced. In your life, one year of your life, a little over 1% of your life and your time is spent looking for stuff that I can't find. Isn't that crazy? That's the way life is sometimes. And not to mention, think about consumer debts for just a minute. $1.4 trillion in consumer debt. How many of you know that's stressful just to say that word? I don't even know if you understand how much that is. That's like a thousand billions? $1.4 trillion in consumer debt. And another reason why our, our, our country, why our world, but more specifically our country, the United States of America, why we have so much stress on us, because we live in a nation that never sleeps, that we don't sleep. I mean, especially in the urban centers, like in, in uh, Miami, in a place where you can go get whatever you need at any time of the hour. It's open all the time. And with the internet, like you can literally get it, even if you're not getting it in store, retail, you can order it online. We live in a nation that never sleeps. My parents, however, have a home in Belize, Central America. That's where I was born. My parents are missionaries. And, and so part of the time, part of the, the year, they, they live in Central America. And when we go there, um, we wake up early because we go to bed early. Like literally, there's nothing to do once it gets dark. There's really nothing. Like the, 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 there's not like restaurants and all kinds of things. It's just very, very different in other parts of the world than it is in the United States. Even 100 years ago, uh, Americans spent over 
half hours longer. They slept over two and a half hours longer than they did today. Two and a half hours longer. Um, and I think that probably has something to do with um, why the average family in America now has 1.7 kids, uh, whereas it was much higher 100 years ago because there was a lot more time for other things, and I won't go into that today. You might be stressed out this morning. If your idea of a vacation is a trip to the dentist, anybody ever thought that for a minute? Oh, man, thank you. I get to finally go rest in the dentist chair. When you get to that point in your life where you're looking forward to having your gums scraped and your teeth drilled, then there's something wrong with your life. But realistically, there are people in our world that are like that because stress levels are at an all-time high. It's just hard. Like the world is going, as I said, at a breakneck speed. And there's lots of reasons for the stress. There's a lot of reasons, but here's some of them. The top causes of stress are new babies. That's a stress. And death. That's a stress. Marriage and divorce. Getting a job and getting fired. Having money and losing money. Moving to a new home is stressful. And being stuck and feeling like you can't get a new home is stressful. You see the, you see the point? You see the correlation here? Like, it doesn't matter uh, having a baby or losing a loved one. Everything on every spectrum can be and is oftentimes stressful. That's the way our world is. That's the way we live sometimes. But we've got to do something about it. Like, here's some of the characteristics, first of all, uh, of being stressful. If you don't know if you're stressed out, if you don't know if you're worried, but I think most of you kind of do know if you are or not, you're always in a hurry. You, you're stressed if you're always in a hurry. You're, you're stressed if you feel guilty when you're not working. Anybody ever do that? I've done that many times where I'm just like, oh, man, I, I'm going to think of something that I need to do for the church. Uh, there's no time for relaxation. You can't relax. You can't calm down. You're unable to focus. You're stressed when you're unable to focus. Or you feel the need to be recognized. This one was an interesting one, but it spoke to me because sometimes that's me. Feeling the need to be recognized. And you overstand, overextend just because of that. Because you just need somebody to recognize and acknowledge, hey, you're doing something or you're doing a, a good job. The thing is, is, is stress is, is oftentimes something that we can't do anything about. Fred Small has this, says this. He says, problem, the pro a problem is something I can do something about. And if I can't do anything about it, then it's not my problem. You get that? A problem is something that I can do something about. But if I can't do anything about it, then really, it's not my problem. For whatever reason, though, I seem to take things on that aren't really my problem. Things that I can't do anything about, but I worry about them even still. As I told you before, I'm preaching to myself. This morning, I want to take you to a text in Matthew chapter 6. But before we go there, I want to take you to the Old Testament. Before we go to the New, I want to take you to the Old Testament. Because there's this, there's this verse of Scripture that, that reminds me of um, even King uh, Saul and his stress when it came to dealing with David. You see, David had come to help the Israelites. He defeated this nine-foot-tall giant, and instead of celebrating the victory over the Philistine army, 
a victory chant rises uh, amongst the Israelites. And so they've just beat the Philistines. They should be celebrating. They should be excited. And this is what it says. When the men were returning home from after David had killed the Philistine, the women came out from all the towns of Israel to meet King Saul with singing and with dancing, and with joyful songs and with timbrels and lyres. They should be and they were. They were celebrating the fact that they had defeated their enemy. And as they danced, they sang. Saul has slain his thousands, and David his tens of thousands. They were singing this victory chant, and this was in celebration of what God had done to deliver them from the Philistines. But guess what happens next? Verse 8. Saul was very angry. This refrain displeased him greatly. They have credited David with tens of thousands, he thought, but with me, only thousands. What more can he get but the kingdom? And from that time on, Saul kept a close eye on David. The next day, an evil spirit from God came forcefully on Saul. He was prophesying in the house while David was playing the lyre, and as he usually did. And Saul had a spear in his hand, and he hurled it, saying to himself, I'll pin David to the wall. But David eluded him twice. Man, this, this was supposed to be a celebration time. This was supposed to be a moment of victory for Saul because the, the Israelites had defeated the Philistines and he used, God used David through Saul. I mean, Saul was the one that appointed him and said, hey, go and fight him. But instead, it became a point of uh, uh, disagreement and, and discouragement and stress and anxiety. And so instead of him celebrating, he tried to kill the man that actually helped them defeat the Philistines. This 11-word song, Saul has slain his thousands, and David his tens of thousands, that 11-word song caused Saul to feel threatened by David's potential. But what if David would have used that potential? What if David, I mean, Saul would have used that potential. What if Saul would have thought about, like, how God could use me as the leader, as the king, to use David to help us be a stronger nation, to be even more powerful? If we can defeat Goliath and all of the Philistines, how much more powerful can we be? But instead, he was so distracted by his own personal acknowledgement and the fact that he was jealous of David's, uh, the credit that David was getting. And it allowed them to be divided. It allowed Saul to divide him. Today, I want to talk to you a little bit about this. I want to talk to you a little bit about stresses in life. I want to talk to you about the things that kind of hold us back. And I want to talk to you about tests, but not just any tests. I want to talk to you about medical tests. Boy, that thing is going off, isn't it, Josh? Hopefully we'll get that fixed next week. I want to talk to you about medical tests. And there are certainly tests that I, I'm especially resistant to. The MRI, man. I've heard of people going through those. I've never done one. But that thing scares me, thinking about it. Like, that is a, a, an anxious thing for me to kind of go into one of those tubes and get that MRI done. I want to talk to you about um, uh, some other kinds of tests. There, there are other kinds. There's the colonoscopy. That's one that I really don't look forward to in the future. Actually, any kind of blood work. I just don't like it. I don't like being poked. I don't like those needles in my arms. So those kind of things are not the kind of medical tests that I'm looking forward to in life. But there's another medical test that, that also is something that I know will come probably in some point in my future, and it's the stress test. Anybody ever done a stress test before? 
You know about the stress test? And there's two different ways to do it. There's a way that you do it where you have to physically like get on the treadmill and they hook you up to all kinds of wires and they, they run you to get, get your, your heart rate up and they test all kinds of things on you. I really don't know the scientific way in which they do that. Or they can actually like uh, medically induce your heart to do the stressing that it needs to do. They can put some kind of a, uh, a medicine in you, some kind of a, a steroid in you, and it causes you to, to um, raise your heart rate. The purpose is, is to see how your heart is working and to determine if your body is in any kind of danger of an actual heart attack or a stroke. This morning, we're going to hook you up to some wires. This morning, we're going to put some of you under a stress test, and we're going to think about, and, and are you in any kind of danger in life? Yeah, let's do it, man, because they're blinking. People are getting blinked out. <laughs> Here's the verse. Here's the verse of Scripture. Matthew chapter 6. You guys have the words on the screen. Matthew chapter 6. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasure in heaven where moth and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Go ahead. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light, is with, if then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear, is not your life more important than food and your body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? To your life. And why do you worry about the clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin. Wow. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the, the flowers of the field grow. Oh, I think we're done. There you go. Slide it. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Hey, we're going to go lights up today. Can we go ahead and put the house lights on? They're over here on the wall. Somebody grab the house lights. Thank you very much. Hey, look at that. And there was light. And there was light. Well, what shall we wear for the pagans run after these things? This morning, I want to give you three applications. I want to give you three thoughts, three concepts, three ideas that, that, that you can apply from these scriptures, from these verses. The first one is, is that you've got to check your heart. You've got to check your heart. When it comes to going through stress, when it comes to how to deal with stress, the first thing you've got to do is you've got to check your heart, number one. 
And I'm not just speaking metaphorically. I mean, actually, you need to check your physical heart. I mean, think about that for just a minute. Uh, there, there are some things that we've got to take care of. Blood pressure. Since I was 28 years old, I've had blood pressure issues. So I check it regularly. I try to eat a little bit healthy, and I, I take a medicine, and, and uh, I do certain things. I exercise regularly. But I check my heart. Check your cholesterol, check your sugar, because these things are slow and silent killers. And if you want to reduce stress, you need to eat right and you need to exercise more. I have a reminder in my calendar. I have a reminder in my daily journal that says to me, Trevor, eat 2,000 calories a day and exercise three times a week for 30 minutes. So I do it, I look at it, and I make a note to do it. Do I always get it done? Not always, but it's a reminder to me that this is a goal that I'm chasing after, to check your heart. And that's the physical, literal application of that, that you need to do that. Like, it's good for you. If you want to lower your stress, then you need to be in good shape physically. You need to be in good health physically. But really, that's not the primary heart that I'm speaking of. I'm really talking about checking your heart spiritually. I'm really talking about checking your spiritual heart. Verse 21 says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So what is it that you treasure? What is it that your heart seeks after? Is it the new car or the diamonds or the big bank or the fast boat? Or is it the relationship with God, or the relationship with your family or, or ministry or the opportunities and the gifts that God has given you? Where is it that you are seeking after? What is it that you are seeking after in your life? There was a man, he died uh, at an older age, and, and uh, he had a few heirs, and he died pretty wealthy. And um, after he died, his family asked about his will, and they said uh, to the lawyer, they reached out to the lawyer and said, how much did he leave behind? You know what his answer was? All of it. He left all of it behind. Now, they weren't asking that, and you know that, and I know that, but realistically, that man, he left it all behind because you cannot take it with you. So what are you doing with what you have now? Consider the time and the things that you are investing into because you can't take it with you. What we treasure the most controls it, what controls us, whether we admit it or not. If possessions or money become too important to us, we must reestablish control or get rid of the things that are trying to control us. I mean, literally, maybe just totally changing our lifestyle, changing our hobbies. If those things have a control and they have a grip on you, maybe you need to stop doing those things altogether. Certain things in moderation may be good for you, but for some others, it's not good at all. So you should just change your life, change your lifestyle, change what it is that you're seeking after. I mean, that is if you want to reduce your stress. Maybe you're like, Trevor, that's crazy. I, I love stress. I love anxiety. I love living on the edge if that's you, then you should probably not worry about what I'm saying today. <laughs> the world says he who dies with the most toys wins. The bigger your house, the happier you are. But why is it that people in impoverished third world countries are often much more content than we are, than we are here in America? Like, I don't know if you've ever been, you've ever traveled abroad, or you've seen people in other parts of the world, even in other parts of our country, that just literally, for whatever reason, they have nothing, and they don't even know where their next meal is going to come from. They're living meal to meal, paycheck to paycheck, whatever the case may be, but yet they have a contentment that we've never had. There's something about it. If all you're thinking about is your bottom line, if all you're thinking about is needing more or that next big thing, man, you're never 
going to find it. You're always going to want more. This is what Solomon said. And he was the richest man in the world. And, and also, uh, it's debatable to me, but he was the wisest man in the world. I say that because he's 700 wives. But he's, Scripture says he was the wisest man in the world. But he's, this is what he said. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. What do people gain for all their labors at which they toil under the sun? I, the teacher, he was speaking himself, was king over Israel and Jerusalem, and I applied my mind to study and to explore by wisdom all that is done under the heavens. What a heavy burden God has laid on mankind, and I've seen all the things that are done under the sun. All of them are meaningless, a chasing after the wind. I said, come now, I will test you with pleasure to find out what is good, but also that provided to be meaningless. I undertook great projects. I built houses and planted vineyards. I made gardens and parks and planted all kinds of fruit trees. I amassed silver and gold in the treasures of kings and provinces. I acquired male and female singers and harems as well, the delights of a man's heart. I denied nothing my eyes had seen. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my labor, and this was the reward for all my toil. Yet when I surveyed all that my eyes, hands had done, and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. Nothing. Everything was meaningless. Remember that. Consider it. Check, check your heart when it comes to what it is you're chasing after. Because if all you're doing is trying to get a little bit more when you already have enough, all you're doing is adding to your stress. And that stress is a ripple effect that plays out into your lives, into your family's life, into all aspects of who you are. Just remember you are a steward, not an owner. When it comes to these things, when it comes to, to, to what, what you have, you're a steward, not an owner. In a couple of weeks, I'm already preparing and working on a message, part two, week two of the, the, the Lights, Camera, Action series, uh, and we're going to be talking a little bit more about treasure. I'm going to be looking at another story, another uh, example that Jesus shares. So I'll, I'll leave you with that, but I, I hope that you'll come back in, in a couple of weeks for it as we talk more about the treasures of our heart. The second part of your stress test is your eyes. Check your eyes. Man, when I get stressed out, and I'm, again, I'm telling you, I'm preaching to myself today. But when I get stressed out, my eyes begin to hurt. And sometimes I literally just have to close my eyes. Um, if, if my eyes are hurting, I'm not good, good for much of anything. I'm literally like just straining at that point. And here's what Jesus said in Matthew 6.22. He says, the eye is the lamp of the body. And if your eyes are good, your whole body would be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? So Jesus is saying we need to consider our eyes. We need to consider our, uh, what, what it is that we're looking at because it is uh, kind of the window into our life. We have a, a, an opportunity to have spiritual vision. And spiritual vision is the capacity to see clearly what God wants to do and to see the world from his point of view. So when I say check your eyes, I'm asking you to kind of put some spiritual God glasses on to see things through God's eyes. It's so easy to become clouded 
by selfishness, by personal gain, by material possessions. It's so easy to get distracted by the other things around us that are getting in the way. But when you have spiritual vision, you can see beyond the stuff that's right in front of you. And you can see that God has a plan. So I want to ask you, what are you looking at? What are you thinking about? What are you, what are you, what are you allowing to, to get in the way of what God wants to show you? How often is it that we look at the surface of things and we see someone that seems to have the perfect life and the perfect body and the perfect family and the perfect job. And some of those things are just a mirage. Some of those things aren't even real. But if you want to remove stress from your life, we have to know what it is that we're looking at. We have to have spiritual vision and we have to stop looking at others for comparison. We've got to stop looking at what others have and comparing that to what God has for us. It's a waste of time when you look at others and you say, man, look at what that preacher is doing or look at what, what uh, this guy in my, my uh, uh, neighborhood had just, he got this brand new big fancy boat or whatever that thing is. Like, start looking at things through God's eyes. You know, in leadership, vision is so important. You have to have vision as a leader. If I don't put my vision glasses on, Every single day, if I don't like see what God wants to do in us and, and through us, if all I ever do is just look at the here and now and I just think about like my current problems and I can't see that God has something greater, I'm done before I start because it just looks too hard. It looks too overwhelming. The task is way too great. You know what the, the help for me, though, is when I look back. When I look back at all the ways that God has been faithful to me, when I use my glasses, not even having to use the vision glasses to look ahead, but when I just use the rearview mirror and I look back and I say, God, look at the way in which you've helped me. Hindsight is so helpful. Over the last 20 years, the things that God has done in my life and the way the leading up to where I am today, even sitting on this stage right here, is all because God was working in my life. Every step of the way, everything that I've ever gone through, I can see has brought me to where I am today. And I don't think this is the culmination. I don't think this is the end. I think this is just continuing to step us to where God has us. And I believe that's the same for each and every single one of you. But you have to have spiritual vision. you got to check your eyes. To look ahead and see what God is doing requires faith. It requires faith. We have to have faith that, okay, yeah, the, my, 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 my current circumstances are temporary and they're, they, they seem like they're impossible. But God, you are, you're, you are God. Like you're in charge, you're in control. And I trust you in spite of the temporary and the things that are right around me. Good eyes are fixed on God. So when it comes to checking your eyes, you got to look up. Look up. So number one is check your heart. Number two is check your eyes. And number three is live the kingdom life. Mikey, throw me that apple, would you, brother? Let's see if I can catch it. Live the kingdom life. Live the kingdom life. You know, the, Matthew chapter 6 is right in the middle of 5, 6, and 7. It's the Sermon on the Mount. 
Jesus gives these great truths of how to live the kingdom life. And, and, and if you don't know where to start in reading the Bible, I'd encourage you to go to Matthew chapter 5. Just read about 8 or 10 verses today, 10 verses tomorrow, 10 the next day. And you'll just like grab so much out of it. You'll just be like, it'll be spiritual food for you. But this is what he talks about. He talks about being salt and light. He talks, talks about stop suing people, stop, stop looking at women in the wrong way, loving your enemies, praying to your father and not to men. He talks about bearing he talks about, he compares us to, to, uh, to trees and not statues, that we are movements and not monuments. And he says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Why, why do I have an apple in my hand? Here's why. Because oftentimes when it comes to our life, we look at our life like this apple, and all we see is just this this. this Simple, basic little apple. And anybody can open this apple up and count the number of seeds in one apple. But I heard a preacher say it this way. He said, but only God, only God can tell how many apples are in just one seed. Only God knows that. So when you live the kingdom life and you're trusting God in every situation and every circumstance, only God knows what your future holds. Only God knows the potential that you have. But you've got to check your heart, check your eyes, and begin to live the kingdom life. Instead of being wasteful, we've got to be wise. Instead of getting even, we've got to give love. Instead of being exhausted all the time, we need to begin to find rest. Why do we do that? Why do we need to do that? Why? Because the same God who created life in you can create can. Deal with the details of your life. The same God that gave you life can help you with your life. Amen? The same God that cares about every circumstance of your life knows every detail of what's going on around you. Worrying doesn't add a single hour to your life, Jesus says. And the other reason why we can't stress or we shouldn't stress is because God already knows what we need. He already knows what we need. We just need to trust Him living one day at a time helping us saying, God, I need your help today. Today seems overwhelming. The odds are great against me, but you are still God, and I trust you. When Jesus was teaching how to pray, he said, give us this day our daily bread, didn't he? Matthew chapter 5, maybe it's 6 actually. Give us this day our daily bread. That's the Lord's prayer. That's how he taught us how to pray. Why didn't he say, give us the bread for next week and the week after and give us a storehouse of bread? Because he is your Jehovah Jireh. He is your great provider, which is what that means. He is the one that cares about every detail of your life and he wants to meet your needs every day. Not just so you can look ahead and know everything about everything that's going to come. Sometimes we want that. Sometimes we think, boy, wouldn't that be nice? I don't know if it would be. To know when I'm going to die. To know the struggles that I'm going to face. Do you, want, do you really want to know that stuff? Thank God that he hasn't showed me, right? Thank God that he hasn't given me every detail. But we've got to just say, God, give us today our daily bread. God, take care of us. Whenever I'm stressed, God, just give me what I need today. It's all yours.
some of you are, are going to take this message and think that, that planning is the same thing as worrying, and it's not. As I was thinking about this message and I was working on it this week, I was, I was considering, because I'm a planner, and I think ahead, and I, I write goals, and I write schedules, and I try to manage my time and be a steward of my time, try to, try to do all of these things. Planning is not the same thing as worrying. Planning can actually alleviate worrying. But worriers are, are those that are consumed by fear. And they find it difficult to trust God. They let their plans interfere with their relationship with God. And I want to encourage you, don't let the stress and the anxiety of tomorrow affect your relationship with God today. Like, it's okay to make plans. It's okay to make some plans in your life. But don't let your plans turn into worries. Two different, totally different things. I love what... um. Jesus said, he said, don't worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things. I remember when I was uh, a few years earlier, my, my daughter and I, when, and in our family devotions at night, we usually read a passage together and we pray together before we go to bed. And we were reading that and my daughter, uh, she was younger at this time, but she said, daddy, the penguins? The penguins run after these things. But that's kind of what they are. When they're, when they're worrying about things and they're stressing over things, he was talking about the pagans, the people that weren't trusting and believing in God. But that's kind of what we do. We kind of look like little penguins running around here and there, to and fro, trying to do something we can't do anything about. Instead of saying, God, take care of me. Take care of my life. Take care of my situation. Take care of my circumstance. God, my life is in your hands and I trust you John had a John hired a plumber to restore his old house and on the first day his drill broke he got a flat tire and his truck broke down after work so John took the plumber home and the man sat in silence all the way home on arriving the man invited John inside the house but he stopped for a moment at the entrance to the home where he paused briefly at a small tree touching the branches with both hands. He just kind of rested his hands over the branches. And as he entered his house, he underwent an amazing transformation. Wrinkled and worn, his face lit up with a smile and he hugged his two kids and he gave his wife a kiss. A few minutes later, he walked John back to his car and on the way out, they passed that little tree and John asked the man what it is that he did there. He said, that's my trouble tree. I can't help but have trouble on the job. But one thing's for sure, those troubles don't belong in the house with my family. So I hang them on the tree every night. And I ask God to take care of them. Then I pick them up the next morning. The funny thing is, when I come out in the morning to pick them up, there aren't nearly as many as I remember hanging up the night before. Where are you hanging your troubles? Where are you placing the troubles in your life? And are you bringing them into the home? Are you bringing them over your kids? Maybe your application today would just be to say, God, I, I, I'm leaving these here for you. Placing them on the metaphorical trouble tree. 
in your home or wherever, just have, have a place to just say, God, I put these here so that I can focus in on my family, so that I can focus in on my, the, the, the other gifts that you have given me. Those things will take care of themselves. But God, help me just to be present in this place with my family or whatever it is that you're doing. Leave those things outside of the home. You know, the number one cause of worry is unresolved sin. Unresolved sin is the number one cause of worry. It's trying to live a double life. It's, it's living as if you believe God and trust God, but then on the other hand, living over here trusting in yourself or in your wealth or in all the things that you have. Living in sin and disobedience, but on the other hand, trying to, on this side, just say, God, I trust you, I believe you. But you're, you're living two lives. Trying to be a follower of God while still following in the world. Let me tell you, that is stressful. That's, that's anxiety-filled. That's actually kind of impossible to do. So my encouragement to you is, is if there's sin in your life, if there's things that you're holding on to, there's things that you know that God is speaking to you about and you just need to say, God, I, I can't seem to calm down. I can't seem to settle down. And he's saying, it's this. It's this. I've been telling you it's this. Maybe today's the day that you make res resolution with God, that you resolve that sin and you just come to God. Just freely just say, God, I give it to you. As freely as you give it to him, he takes it away. Remember the way that God forgave, the king forgave that man? Last week we talked about it. Like he just said the word and it was forgiven and it was done. The debt was canceled. It was an amazing thing. But you got to give it to him. You got to be willing to say, God, I ask you to do this. I give it to you. I hate watching people stress. I hate when I stress. But it's part of life. But find ways to begin to just really trust God with these things. We're going to sing a song in just a minute. And, and uh, we'll, uh, I think the musicians are ready. You guys come back up. And at the end of the song, um, I'll give you an opportunity to pray and to respond to this message. If there's sin in your life, if there's something you need to pray about, um, we've got a couple of our prayer team leaders and they'll be up on both sides of the speakers they'd be honored to pray with you and um, man just, just come before God he's a God of mercy a God that cares about you, he loves you, he cares about every detail of your life and he wants to help you so let's pray even before we get into this, Heavenly Father I thank you for this day, thank you for all the things that you do, God I thank you that you care about every detail of our life forgive us when we worry about stuff forgive me when I just try to take things in my own hands things that I can't do anything about right now God I lay my heart out before you I'm going to stop looking down I'm going to look up God I'm going to try even harder to live the kingdom life I know I'm not perfect but God I'm going I'm to I'm going to do what I can to make things right pray that these your people would do the very same thing to experience that freedom that comes in the spirit to experience that peace that comes from
knowing that God's in control, that he's the boss, that Jesus is Lord. God, what a freeing feeling to know that you are in control. And we love you and we thank you for these things that you're doing. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together and let's sing.
So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. He knows you need them. But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Today's Father's Day. That's my father's verse. It's like he's named ministries after that verse. Kingdom Builders Ministry. Kingdom First Ministries. That verse, Matthew 6, 33. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. He'd say something like this. All of these things means all of these things. Like there's nothing not included in all of these things. He's going to take care of it. When you seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, when you put him first, when you let go of that unresolved sin, when you've set yourself to, up to say, God, I've given you everything, my temptation, my struggle, my sin, I'm giving it to you, God. I give it to you here and now. When you seek him first, all of these things includes all of these things. Everything. Easier said than done. It's a daily struggle. It's a daily thing for me personally to not worry, to not fear, to not struggle with anxiety and stress. But I think it's a message for us. Check our heart, man. Check our eyes. Have spiritual vision and live the kingdom life. I'm hoping I pray that this message has been uh, timely and encouraging for you. We're going to pray together with your heads bowed and your eyes closed this morning. If you would say, Pastor, pray for me. I, I just, I've been dealing with a lot. There's a lot of anxiety. There's a lot of stress in my life. If that's you this morning and you just want to lift your hand to acknowledge and we can know to pray for you, I see your hands. 
see your hands in the room. On my right, on my left, right in the middle, I see several hands. I know there's lots of reasons. Some of it's stuff that's out of your control. Some of it's uh, physical and family and health. God, you know the stuff that they're dealing with today. God, we just pray that you'd help them. God, I pray that they could just somehow in some way just release it to you. That they would, We would just put these things in your hand and just say, God, take it. Have your way with it. You're sovereign. You're in control. You're the boss. And I trust you with these things. Help me to look to the birds of the air. Help me to figure out the way in which they don't worry about the, the, the storing up and the saving. They just think about, God, who's the one that's going to take care of me? Who's the one that's going to provide for me and protect me? watch over me thank you for the wisdom of Christ help us trust you in that Lord Jesus you know uh, the hearts of people that may have, have not let something go maybe there's some sin in your life today and even if I'm speaking for one person but if you have some sin in your life and you need to let it go I'm not going to ask you. I'm not going to call you to the front. I'm not going to bring you bring you out. But if there's some sin in your life and here and now, you're just like saying, Pastor, pray for me because I want to resolve it today. I want to ask God to set me free from my sin. If that's you today, would you just lift your hand? If that's you today, would you just lift your hand? Would you be so brave as to say, God, I want to resolve my sin? I see your hand, my brother. Love you. Anybody else? Anybody else? I won't wait. If there's sin in your life, and it's you can see the actual like it, this is part of the reason why the stress is coming, and you just lifted your hand for one of the other things because you're thinking to yourself, "Hey, I've got I've got worries, and I'm trying to let it go." But you also know the root of the problem is sin, and you're not raising your hand, and that's not right. So let me just ask one more time, if there's sin in your life and it hasn't been resolved right here and right now, would you just lift your hand and say, I'm going to resolve it. It's between me and God, but I'm going to lift it up. I see your hand. Praise God for you. Anybody else? So God, you know where we're at. You know each and every hand, every, every heart. You know every life. Nothing is hidden from your sight, oh God, and I thank you. Pray that you would, uh, God, help us to set those things before you and just say, God, have your way with whatever those things are. We trust you, oh God, and we love you, and we thank you for this. It's in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Mikey, come on up, man. What an awesome service, huh? Awesome, awesome service. It definitely spoke to me. I hope the same for all of you here. Awesome. This is the part of our service where we worship God through the giving of tithes and offering. We trust Him with that. And again, today is Father's Day. We covered that, and we do have that Yeti cooler giveaway. So once we get wrapped up here, go out the back doors and uh, drop off that connection card in the cooler and, and see if you can win that, that uh, the Yeti. Also, if you have a giving envelope, you can drop those off on the way in the back. There'll be some usher buckets. There's also boxes there that you can do that. Um, let's pray. God, we thank you for 
the opportunity, Lord, to worship you, God, and we thank you for the things that you're doing in this place today, God. I pray, Father, that this, this offering be, be blessed, God, in your son's name, God, and it be used to, to glorify you, Father, and, and to make an impact on this community, Father, and in the lives of those around us, God. I pray for all these families, Lord, as they go on with their day, Father, celebrating Father's Day, Lord, and as we celebrate the ultimate Father, you, God. We thank you for all that you do, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You are now dismissed, so see you guys in the courtyard for the winner of the Yeti Cooler. done for me.